All this time, I'm trying not to be me. I'm afraid to face who I was. But I'm Cosmo, Jerry. I'm Cosmo Kramer. And that's who I'm going to be. From now on, I'm Cosmo. <laughs> It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. And I can still hear George Costanza going, Cosmo? <laughs> it was quite the shock. Quite the shock. Hi, I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. We are also ably assisted at the board by he who keeps us in our lane, and that would be tall guy Nathan. How are you doing today, Nathan? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And boy, it looks like our little weather predictor phenomena things are really pinpoint accurate this time around. The groundhog gave us a little bit of snow a couple weeks ago, and now it looks like those... We got some April showers that are going to bring us some Mayflowers. Very I'm nice. Glad to hear that. That's Very wonderful. Nice. We today are going to bring somebody back in. I It's been a little while. I forgot to look it up, but it's been a few years. Like six or seven years, something like that. We figure every six or seven years, we need to check into somebody <laughs> who knows something about names. <laughs> and uh, actually, to give Sharon Lynn Wyeth credit, she contacted us. I love a lady who knows how to do a good PR pitch, and she does. And so today we're going to bring up the, the subject of namology. It's actually a science unto itself as created by Sharon. And I have to say, Suzanne, you would know better than me. You've been fielding a lot of this. I can't remember the last time we introduced a guest, particularly one who hasn't been on for quite a while, that generated so much buzz that's true. We've had a lot of phone calls, emails, and texts going on with so many people that we know who are fascinated by this topic. And it applies to every single person who has a name. So if you have a name, if this you is a for name, you. You are going to learn something about yourself today for and them. about other people. It's going to be very interesting. And in particular, as you listen, think about how knowing the elements of a name paying particular attention to the vowels and their placement will help you to connect with other people more meaningfully. Why don't you do the honors today and let's bring her on. I've got a short bio to read here so we can maximize our time on air with Sharon Lynn Wyeth. She's an international name expert and the founder and creator of Namology Science, the study of the placement of the letters in a name. After 15 years of research, followed by three years of testing in over 70 countries. Sharon has evaluated thousands of names since 1995. Her best-selling book, Know the Name, Know the Person, is the first in the sequence, followed by Know the Name, Know the Spirit, and Know the Name, Know How to Connect. You may have seen her on Good Day LA, New York City's Fox News, Good Morning Arizona, and in various other cities on NBC, CBS, and ABC, or have heard her interviewed on any one of hundreds of radio shows. Today, she is hired by human resource departments in choosing appropriate candidates to interview lawyers in how to present cases to judges and individuals who wish to know themselves better and maximize their ability to connect with others. She also assists nationally and internationally in naming new businesses, new products, and when people wish to change their names. Are you listening, Seattle? I mean, this is for the people, and there are plenty of them in Puget Sound who may be uh, 
uh, Ruth Blumenthal there when they were born. And then suddenly in their 20s, they go metaphysical and they become Crystal Starfeather or some <laughs> other such name. I am not joking. <laughs> it happens and it happens a lot and not just in Seattle. So let's say hello for the second time, at least, on Manson Mitchell, Sharon Lynn Wyatt. Sharon, welcome. Suzanne and Gary, it's so great to be with you once again. I so enjoyed the last time. And we are already anticipating this with a lot of excitement today. We, are, we read your first book, Know the Name, Know the Person. We still have it on our bookshelves and refer to it on a rare occasion. Um, but we just got through reading every word of Know the Name, Know How to Connect. And that is also very fascinating where you are talking about how you can suss somebody out quickly just by knowing the letters in their name. And because you haven't been on in a while and not everybody is familiar with it, we're gonna just start at the beginning. We're gonna start with the basics. If you could give just a, a little overall view of the importance of the first vowel of your first name. And I'm gonna let you take it from here, Sharon. Okay, so the first vowel and the first name indicates uh, what is how we communicate with each other, what is needed to have a long-term friendship. It even indicates, which I didn't put in the book, is what kind of sex you like, but that's a whole other topic. And, and it just gives you so much information from your learning style to what kind of gifts you like. It's just sitting all right there in that one letter. So if you only learn six letters, the six vowels in the alphabet, you already have a heads up on everybody that you're meeting. So for an example, uh, people with the first vowel of an A, okay, they like to get the work done and then they'll go play. But the per people with the first vowel of an E, these are people that want to connect with each other first, know how everybody is, that everybody's okay, and then they'll go get the work done. And then you have people with the first vowel of an I who are natural leaders. So if the boss says something and you weren't paying attention and you want have more questions, you will go to somebody with the first vowel of an I for clarification. And they usually do better working for themselves. First vowel of an O, love to be the boss, love to tell other people what to do. Okay. And they're usually will grow up to have autonomy or be a CEO. And then you've got the first vowel of a U, which I always think of as the, the, the neutral one, the one that can get along with all the letters the best and is just funny and entertaining and has an interesting speech pattern or how they put things together. So we all are entertained by the first vowel of a U, of course, unless there's other letters in the name that would mute some of that. And then the first vowel of a Y, our very gracious guests make wonderful hosts and they can become the boss's boss if they so choose, but not all of them choose. That is a great summary. I guess you've done this once or twice before, <laughs> Sharon. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> One of the things that I, I found particularly interesting and quite metaphysical is how it is that we come by our names. And I'm thinking in particular of my brother. Interestingly enough, my parents had one boy's name picked out and one girl's name picked out before you knew the sex of the baby before birth. And so they were prepared either way. And then when my brother was born, they didn't use those names. They pitched him out and decided that he looked so much like my dad at birth that they had to name him after my dad. 
but what is it about our name at birth? What, what is it that is occurring metaphysically? So when there were still only seven religions on the planet, before they, I jokingly say, they multiplied it and divided and everybody made up their own, okay? They all agreed on some basic principles. And one of them was that the incoming soul impresses upon the person that's going to name them what they want to be called. So in essence, we name ourselves. So a parent, like in your case with your parents, they could do all the planning ahead of time. But when they got connected to your brother, that's when they were really in receivership mode to see, oh, we didn't want those names. This is the name I want. And sometimes it'll come to somebody in a dream. It can come to people when they're watching a TV show and they go, oh, I just really like that name of that character. You know, you never know what means the soul is going to use to impress the name that they're choosing onto the one naming them. And what's really fascinating is how different cultures have different people named. Like here in the United States, it's usually joint effort between the mom or the dad um, to name a child. In Turkey, for an example, it's the oldest male relative that names. In some of the Indian cultures, it's the shaman of the tribe. So it's different all the way around the world, like where the name would come from or who gets that privilege. But the soul already always knows and will impress upon that one what they want to be called. So we name ourselves. That is fascinating to me. And it's especially fascinating when I consider how my father got named. His parents were uh, immigrants to the United States uh, from Austria and from Russia. And when my dad was born, I believe this, as I understand the story, there was a neighbor who opened the dictionary and selected his name out of the dictionary. Now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, so, so I say, well, how did my dad name himself by choosing a name out of the dictionary? I if, mean, if that, you're going to have, if you're going to have a really complicated name, you're going to get it across somehow. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, your story reminds me of the children when I was teaching school that started coming in that were literally, they were named, the name was spelled A-B-C-D-E. It's pronounced obesity, but it's like, I thought, are these immigrants? And they, the only thing they know is that, you know, how the song that says, you know, A-B-C-D-E-F-G, you know, I'm so happy I learned my ABCs. And so that's what they named their child. I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's amazing to me how many children toward the, my last years in the classroom that had that particular name. That, that is fascinating. Names are fascinating. How we get our names is fascinating. And the other thing about names, which is ultra fascinating, is that each of the letters in our names produces a particular sound. And so there is this whole study of the impact that sound will have on us. I can remember when we were naming a dog at one point, somebody said, make sure that you have a sound that the dog is going to recognize, like a hard sound, a D or a G or something that would be in there that the dog would hear. How is it with human beings that some of us have um, you know, a Douglas 
and others of us have a Susie, and they're, they're all different sounds and names. What do, impact does the, the, that sound have on what we respond to? Well, the sound literally indicates a vibration that you resonate with, and that vibration gets translated into actions and reactions. And so what I did, like I said, I make it sound really easy, but it took me 15 years to figure out, is literally which letters and the sounds that would associate with those letters, what actions did they correlate to? And it's because of the process that I went through that it was the trademark company that literally said, this is a science and we're not going to trademark it unless you call it a science. But it's literally the matching of the actions to that vibration of those letters. And that's what you do. And that's why you can predict how somebody's going to respond because those vibrations or those sounds indicate or inspire certain behaviors. Very good. I am curious to know, because I want to make sure I work this into the conversation, Sharon, if someone decides that they want to make something of a statement by a name change, maybe they are in a position of some authority in a church, for example, and they want to make their mark. So they decide, and I'm just being random here. Let's say some guy decides instead of being a Dave Smith, he needs something more dynamic. So he changes his name to Tristan Torquemada. And he's going to be the big man on the church campus. In order to do that, please speak to motivation and the choice of vowels, but also names more particularly that are designed by the person changing their name to evoke a sense of power and authority, for example. Okay, so... Our birth name, whatever shows up on our birth certificate, that is our contract for this lifetime. And that contract does not change. It's you used a great deal of your free will choices prior to you being born when you helped co-design what you wanted to do on the soul level once you were here, what experiences you chose to have. Because the soul already has information. It just doesn't have the experience to, you know, to go with that information. So for an example... We may know that E equals MC squared, but we don't know when to use it, how to apply it, when to tweak it, when another formula is better, because we don't have the experience to go with that piece. So the soul comes in and says, I want experience to understand this knowledge that I hold. And the name is very specific as to what the overall, what I call the overall umbrella is that encompasses the lifetime and the seven specific things that want to be experienced to have a thorough understanding of this overall umbrella. Okay, so that's all in our birth name. And you always get that when I do a reading for somebody that I always make sure I've covered that. And so then when you change your name, whether you change all of it, whether you just change the last name, you know, any changes you make literally are saying, I am now changing how I am going about fulfilling that contract. I haven't changed the contract, but I'm fulfilling how, you know, I'm changing how I fulfill that contract. So there's certain letters that have leadership in them, like K-E, that combination, K followed by an E, like in the name Keith, is really good for, for leadership because they get the production done. They get everybody successful. You may not like the methodology that they're using, but they're going to make sure that everybody that's working with them is successful. Then there's letters like T that start with T. And if you look, so many CEOs of companies, if you look at both the big and the small, across the board, have names of that start with a T. And I 
have mnemonic devices, how I remember everything. So is, I look at T is for the top. Those are people that like to go to the top. They like to be the best at what they're doing. So if I'm assisting somebody in a name change, I ask for three things. I say, one, what are the 10 qualities or characteristics that you want everybody to intuitively on some level immediately understand that this is who you are when they hear your name? Then what are the top 10 qualities or characteristics of the people that you want to pull into your lifetime? Because your last name always says who's, who's going to be attracted to you. Who are you going to pull in? So I want those qualities. And then the third piece of information is I take the birth name and I look at what are the seven things that this soul came to experience. So in the new name, how can we also assist the soul in getting this experience that was desired, but do it easier than maybe their birth name set it out for them? Wow. Ten things, too. I mean, that yeah. is quite involved, more so than I would have imagined. I had this conversation this week with somebody regarding the birth certificate name, and I said I would be sure to bring this up to you. You have a birth certificate name, but you might have more than one birth certificate, or even as a baby, you might have had a name change that you were not aware of until you were an adult. So what happens in that case? There was a, a situation with a friend of ours who had a birth mother and an adopted mother when she was a very small baby and the adopted mother gave her a whole new name, first, middle, last, everything. So what it, what's in a situation like that where you might not even know your name on your original birth certificate? Where, where are the lessons in that if your name is changed before you, you have, you know, consciousness about it? Okay, so on, I love doing readings for foster children and for adopted children, because if you do know the birth name, you'll realize that a lot of the qualities and the characteristics in the birth name, and there is your contract, that first name on the birth certificate, doesn't matter how many birth certificates you have, the very first one, even if it says baby and the last name, is the one that lays out the contract, okay? And then the new names always say how I'm going about the original contract. But you can figure out, when you know namology science well, you can figure out from the new name what they're doing and what the original name would have had in common with it. So if you don't have the birth certificate name, you can still figure out the, the generalities of what the soul came to experience from the new name. And what I find fascinating is how often the birth name and the new name are two different ways of looking at the same thing. There's usually like out of the seven things that you came to experience, five usually overlap. That's what I found. So you can get really close, even if you don't know the birth name. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> well, thank you, Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> I have met numerous people, including some of my relatives, Sharon, who simply don't like their names. I don't like my name. Well, why don't you use your middle name? I don't like that one either. Now, what do you tell somebody like that? Well, first of all, that's why a lot of people come to me to get a name change. And I go, okay, what is it that you, you know, what, what do you want to represent? Who do you choose to be? Who do you want to turn into, right? 
how do you want your personality to go? Because that name and the vibrations constantly being called that and repeated that is going to help you manifest that which you are desiring into your life. But remember that one of the things I always look at is what did the soul come to experience? So I've got to make sure that that's still there in that new name. I look at that as that's my job. And it takes me hours behind the scene playing with different rubrics of what letters need to go where to meet their 10 and 10 and to meet the original birth name. And so um, there's a lot of people that say, I don't like it. I think it's first important to know what your name actually says and what your birth plan is, because about half the people that call me and say, I can't stand my name. When I get through explaining what their plan was and what their name actually means, then they go, oh, I no longer want to change it. Now I get it. <laughs> okay. And the other half still want to change it. But that birth name, they got it because that tells us what the contract was. So it doesn't matter what name they're going by. They're just changing how they're doing the contract but that contract was of utmost importance. So even if they got a name they don't wanna be called by, it still gives them the exact contract that they worked out with their master guide before they came down. I don't know about you, Suzanne, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about the contract itself as a concept. I've heard about soul contracts. There are people that rightfully accuse me of having entered into a contract with Suzanne for the improvement of my soul's experience and my personal growth. I sure can't argue with the results there, but the idea itself, it seems romantic to me that we will sign a contract to have such experiences, in which case, Sharon, I'd like to be their lawyer next time around, because why would you <laughs> sign up for that? I keep asking them. And I wonder, you hear about things on the news. Well, they signed up for this. My metaphysical friends will say, who would sign up for that? So something uh, egregious, something truly horrific. They signed up for that. I wish I were whispering in their ear beforehand. So with all of that being the case, as you explore contracts and how the name factors in how do you view a contract is it somewhat legalistic well it's in the spiritual world it's more than legalistic it's like that is the obligation but the reason you would sign up for possibly something that we would consider from this perspective to be horrific is because you want to balance your understanding of a concept let's say you're looking at the concept of death then you may have different lifetimes where you're saying, oh, this time I'm going to jump off a bridge. This time I'm going to drown. This time I want somebody to shoot me. This time, whatever, is because you want to have the full experience to understand what it's like going through the deathing process, but different ways. So everything has to be balanced by the time you get to cycle off from having your earth experiences. So in one lifetime, if you kill somebody in another lifetime, you need to be killed. If in one lifetime you were cruel over here, then in the next lifetime, you've got to be the recipient of that cruel ship so that you can get the full scope of what it's like. With the end in purpose is to have such understanding and develop such compassion that we would not want to ever hurt somebody else knowingly or unconsciously because we realize we're just hurting ourselves because we've all got to experience all of it and that we're all one in total. We're all like different cells in God's body. And so why damage another cell in, in the same body? Because you're all going to pay the price in the long run. So you're coming for the experience to have the understanding of it. And I'll tell you, there's that sentence that says no pain, no gain. I remember 
um, being in college saying, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to learn through pain anymore. I'm going to learn through joy. I mean, it was a conscious decision. I don't like that sentence. And yet so many people, when they're hurting, start asking questions and start turning to God, start asking other people what's going on. Let's get a different perspective. They start their search. And if everything was always pleasant, where's the motivation to improve? That's a good question. It also gets me wondering about more generally why we come down here to so-called earth school in the first place. If things are, are so doggone good in the spirit world and we can you know, go attend a, a Beatles concert there once all four of them are over there who appear together, you know, you've got, <laughs> you, could, you could listen to John Lennon playing uh, some riffs with uh, George Harrison. If you went over there now, presumably there, you could go to an Elvis concert you could do that you could also attend a lecture by socrates and aristotle plato etc all of the great wisdom available there or so i'm told and yet we come back to earth school for however many lifetimes where this is not only a, a veil of unconsciousness to some degree because we we are limited with our human perception but there's so much suffering as, we, as we've been told over and over by people like the buddha and so getting out of suffering becomes an act of self-liberation. I don't know why we do it all, honestly. Okay, so we go back to what I said at the beginning is that the soul has knowledge, but it doesn't have the experience to understand the knowledge that it already holds. Just like with that equation, E equals MC squared. Do you know how to apply it, when to apply it, where it's used? No, but we have that piece of knowledge. So the soul comes to get experience so it can get the depth and the breath of the knowledge it already holds. And therefore the soul chooses and plans to come down here because that way we can get the experience of the knowledge that we already hold. And that knowledge of experience, which is really the reason we were all created in the first place is because the God self decided that God wanted to grow and expand. And how does he do it? He creates all of us and we all get to accrue experiences. So a well-lived life is one that is just crammed with as many different experiences as possible. And that way, God gets to get all of the knowledge from all of us having all these experiences. We are that's going, how we grow. We're going to take our uh, one break of this hour. We are talking with Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Her original book is Know the Name, Know the Person. The book that we are talking about today is Know the Name, Know How to Connect. And after the break, we are going to get into a, many more specifics about the first vowel of your first name and how you can connect with other people who have a different vowel in their first name. So we're gonna, we're gonna get into the weeds in the second half. So stay with us and thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150. We'll be right back. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Manson Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Hi, I'm Arielle Winter. If you're anything like me, your pets are not only your best friends, they're part of your family. American Humane, which has been rescuing animals like Cleo here for more than 100 years, has life-saving tips that can make a big difference before, during, and after disasters such as hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, or wildfires. So when disaster strikes, you want to be prepared to protect them. Be sure to microchip or tag your pets. Never leave them behind in a major crisis and be sure to have an emergency kit ready in your home at all times with a pet crate or carrier, leash, blanket, ID, and medications, their water bowl, and seven to 10 days worth of food. To find out how to protect your entire family during a disaster and help our best friends in their worst times, please visit AmericanHumane.org. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Carl Petri, author of Absent Witness, sharing more stories from his career as a filmmaker and psychic investigator. On Saturday, Sharon Lynn Wyeth tells us how to connect with people in a transactional world simply by understanding how the letters in their name reveal who they are. Bringing you mastery and mystery, one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. And our guest this hour, Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Sharon is the author of several very interesting books and the creator of a system called the Namology Science. Know the Name, Know the Person is the first book. Know the Name, Know the Spirit is the second. Know the Name, Know How to Connect is the third. And Sharon, if people would like to connect with you, what is the name of your website? How can they connect with you and or get your books? The easiest way and the least expensive place to get my books is off the website. And that is knowthename.com. And so if you're doing something else right now where you're not able to write that down, all you have to say is, I need to remember that name. I need to know the name. Oh, yeah, that was it. Knowthename.com. Excellent. Excellent. I said before the break, I wanted to get into the weeds just a little bit more. And, and that is the differences in the vowels. One of the things, one of my first questions is, and I, I have a guess, and that is, do most names start predominantly with the first vowel of A? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, uh, a little bit more than one-sixth of all of the names out there start with an A. But the first vowel does not have to be the first letter. So for an example, 
A is the first vowel in Alicia. It's also the first letter. But in the name Sarah, A is the second letter. In the name Sharon, A is the third letter. But in each case, it's always the first vowel. And so that's how you're looking at to determine a first vowel. Well, uh, we know so many people and so many people in my family whose first vowel is an A. I was going through aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, <laughs> and we've got a whole bunch of of people whose first vowel is an A. And so, uh, and Gary. And so I was, I was really looking at, at that predominantly when I first started out. And of course, it's the first vowel in the book that you talk about. Interesting that you said that A's have no tolerance for incompetence. They're very organized people and they're they're there to get the job done it, it feels like my my puritan parents all over again you can play after you get your work done and and you know there's names first vowel was an a too you say that's very characteristic of a's well it is and a lot of times a family members want to come in like when you're impressing upon somebody what, what you you would name you want to have it's because you wanna be in harmony with that family and how that family already feels for what you're coming to experience. And so it'll run common vowels throughout a family. And, but then of course, Suzanne, they gotta stick that U in there because that's always the mediator, the one that can get along with all the vowels. <laughs> you know, That's always the one that's gonna lighten up the tense situations. But it, the same as you'll find families with a lot of A's in it, first vowel of an A, when you get somebody with a first vowel of an E, they feel like they're misunderstood because they're not part of that group. They do things differently. And you get other families where the whole first vowels are E's, you know, and or another group of families where the whole first vowels are I's. The only time that's ever a problem is when you've got too many first vowel of O's. Remember, they like to be the boss. And so like for an example, my children both have a first vowel of an O. And both of them independently of each other and unknowing that the other one had done it came to me and said, I would have made a great only child. That's because the other one can't be bossed. You know, it's like having two Indian chiefs and no Indians, <laughs> you know, and they like their autonomy. So it, it's also challenging when two people marry that are both first vowels of an O because unless they have very clear boundaries, I'm in charge of this and you're in charge of that. You don't tell me about my stuff. I don't tell you about your stuff that's how they get along. But if they try to boss the other one, it's only a matter of time before they have a lot of problems in that marriage. So it, it just, it matters on those vowels because that's our communication style. See, and since the U is the universal one, <laughs> I say it that way. So it didn't matter really who you hooked up with. However, in there are groups that do better in romantic relationships. And then there's other vowels that do better in working relationships. So in a romantic relationship, first vowels of A, I, and U go together. It's very easy to have a romance with those vowels, A, um, A U, and I. On the other hand, the E, the Y, and the O go together. And when we did a study of the longest lasting happy marriages, because some marriages can be long lasting, but they tolerate each other. So we didn't look at those. But of the longest lasting happy marriages, that was between a first vowel of an O and a first vowel of an E. Those were the longest happy marriages. That is very interesting to me. Now, I think of the E's as being 
the more emotional ones, I was looking at E for emotion. They're the feeling people. And then the, the O's are the, the boss people, but you say in your book that they're also very nurturing people. Yes, they love to nurture and take care of others, but they expect loyalty in return. So that always bothers an O if you're not loyal in return. So you have an O that loves to nurture and an E is emotional that therefore really benefits from all that nurturing, you know, and therefore is able to also give it back. And the E balances out the O by reminding them of their emotions and to enjoy life on a feeling level. They work very well together, you know, in a romance relationship. The idea that O's expect loyalty. Let me see now. There's, we have a president named Joe. And before him, there was a man named Donald. And it seems to me loyalty was a factor, especially in the administration of the 45th president. Well, it, it's interesting. I would look at other letters in the name Donald other than the O because they're both going to have the loyalty things. Um, and that is in the LD combination in Donald. The LD is one of four ways that show temper. And so we know that he has a, a problem with temper just because we see that combination in his name. But each of the four ways say what causes the temper to come up or explode or to be present. And so the LD combination says when systems don't work, it makes them mad and they can get really angry. And you think about how many systems uh, the 45th president decided were broken that he wanted to fix. So consider that with his temper. Um, I'm sure it was a challenge for some to be working with him because he could get really upset. And if you don't know how to stay calm within yourself, you might take that personally and then react instead of realizing that, oh, that's just who he is. And that's how he expresses. And therefore, you're able to respond instead of react. And Nicely the, stated. Well, what you know, the there's a, a benefit. You can compare two names and see where the issues are going to be, you know, and and you can also say, like, how to speak to somebody based on their name. So for an example, Gary, yes. if you were loading the dishwasher because you're a first file of an A, if you're loading the dishwasher and I came up to you and I said, hey, Gary, we're not going to get enough dishes in here that way. And and then we're going to have to run the thing twice instead of once. Your reaction would be, since you know how you want it done from here on out, you do it and you would walk away. Well, now I can't possibly imagine <laughs> that happening in my household only every time. OK, on the other said, hand, Suzanne, you're the, the expert. Hand. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to go into the bedroom with my iPad. That's it. Yes. But on the other hand, Gary, if I came up to you and I said, you know, Gary, I'm just wondering, I wonder if there's a way to load this dishwasher where we can get all the dishes in here and they can all get clean and we only have to run it once. What do you think? Now it's a problem to be solved and you're rearranging those dishes every time. It's not what we say to somebody, it's how we say it. And I the see. glory of just knowing the vowels is you know how to say something to somebody so they can hear it. I love that. That's that's great advice. It really is. I wanted Okay, to... I don't ever give advice because I do not add advice to somebody else's life. I only make suggestions. That's okay. a great suggestion. <laughs> great suggestion. I like this idea of how we say it, and I wanted to return to the O's momentarily. Uh, it's interesting that they want to be both the boss and nurturing. And one of the things that you say 
is that they feel like they know better than you what's good for you. I'm reminded of an old person who decided that a, a dear friend of ours needed to get her vaccine and he drove a long distance to come and pick her up and take her to get her vaccine, which was an hour away, return her home and then go back home himself. Now this had to be like a half day's journey just to get her a vaccine, but he decided she was gonna do it. And, and he made the appointment, he got the appointment, he drove her there and he took care of it. And so I see where there's this combination of both being the boss and at the same time being a caring person. Do I have that right with the O's? Yeah, absolutely, Suzanne. Great job. Great, ex, you know, great example. And then, uh, and then, interestingly enough, um, you know, I'm I'm also curious about when, and I and I I think you might have answered this, but I want to ask it again. If somebody ends up using a different first vowel, if you're born a Charles with an A but you, for all your life or for most of your life, you've gone by Chuck. You've gone from an A to a U. Now in the, in the case of the contract, you said that there's a change in how to fulfill the contract, but what other changes would come about if you're an Elizabeth who goes by a Liz or a Charles who goes by a Chuck and you're no longer using the same vowel on your birth certificate as your first vowel? Okay. So what happens is when you're changing your name or modifying your name in that respect, as you just described, the letters that you're now deleting from your birth name, it's you still feel that way. You still act that way. Um, it's still how you still motivate from within. However, you can present to others or others will see you differently than that way. And they have to get to know you really, really well before those other letters and that behavior is apparent to them. You know, like sometimes you'll know somebody for quite a while and then they'll do something and you'll go, I would have never imagined them doing that. Or I'm so surprised by that they did that. That's all in that original birth name that's just going to bubble up to the surface sometimes and come out because it's still how they're feeling inside and what's motivating them inside. So for somebody like Chuck, uh, from Charles that goes to Chuck, in the name Charles, there is no sense of humor. This is a very serious person who it's really important for them to be right at all the times and very serious. And then a caring person, but very serious. And then they go to Chuck. Well, they've just given themselves the gift of now being able to think faster on their feet and they gave them a sense of humor. So it's gonna be easier to identify with and connect with a Chuck than it is a Charles, even though it's really just the same person because now he's added some more qualities that it can be more appealing to somebody else. So that's what the difference is. And speak to that again with something like an Elizabeth and a Liz going from an E to an I. Okay, so an Elizabeth is still an E inside and you would still address her like an E. However, she's now going to start incorporating more of the first vowel of an I qualities also. So like for an example, um, the E has great listening ability. You know, they're really good listeners, okay? And the I, when it's in the part of the name with Elizabeth where that is, the I is really standing for independence and individualization, okay? And being very independent. 
So now she's switching over to the first vowel of an I. She still cares about listening and is still a very good listener, but now she's introducing as a first vowel of an I, family issues because I's always learn from family. You know, sometimes an I will tell me, um, I don't have any family issues. I just don't talk to any of them. Hello, if that's not an issue, I don't know what is, <laughs> you know, but the family is the greatest teachers for the I. And so it's, it causes a lot of concern and a lot of time to all be spent with family. So as you're going from Elizabeth to a Liz, you're now really involved more with family than you would have been had you stayed in Elizabeth. Hmm. And what if you shorten it to uh, Lisa? Because for some people, that's just easier. That's the same thing, though, Edo and I. Right. But I mean, if you were to shorten the name, there is it a factor at all? Because there, I assume there's a reason yes. why somebody with would cease letters. to be want, cease to be known yeah. as Elizabeth by choice, and you choose Lisa. I even know Elise, L-I-S, for example, as a matter of personal preference. Right, and so the letters that are no longer being spoken, those that vibration of those letters is no longer being reinforced every single time somebody says your name. So you're going to still have to have those experiences around those letters, but other people aren't going to help you get there because they're not reinforcing those vibrations because they're not saying that part of your name. I find that so intriguing. I really do. <laughs> While we still have some time here, Sharon, I did want to ask you about one of your books that I have not read and I've been remiss, but I definitely am going to get a hold of a copy to read about Know the Name, Know the Spirit. As soon as I locked on to that visually, I thought, oh, wow, I have to ask Sharon about this. Know the name, know the spirit. That's like taking it to a whole new level. That's where you learn your soul contract, how to read the soul contract and what it means in the name. So know the name, know the person is all about the personality of the person. Know the name, know the spirit is all about the soul's contract with you know, that you come down here with, because like I said, you do your free will planning a lot of it before you ever get here. And then know the name, know how to connect is I took chapter two of the first book. And to me, it was all there, but so many people had so many questions. I thought I'm just going to expand that chapter, spell it all out, give you cheat sheets in the back that summarize it all, because it's so important just to know how to talk with somebody else in a communication style and and if you want to be a long-term friend, what you need to be able to do, what that person needs in their long-term friendships. So um, that's what I did for Know the Name, Know How to Connect. And then later this year, Know the Name, Know the Health is going to come out because your health also shows up in your name. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things I was curious about, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, uh, so while you're thinking for a minute, Gary, for an example, yes. for your health in your name, it says, because it shows up in your last name, not your first name, it says you can inherit from the family. And then it depends on the first name, whether it shows up in your family or you just become a carrier that you pass on to your progeny. But it says that your weakest link in your name is your immune system. So you always want to be careful to keep your immune system strong. Particularly nowadays, Yes, exactly. So, I would think so. So the last name will show you what you are inheriting through the family genes. And then the first and the middle name, if you have a middle name, those two names will show you what you're creating in this lifetime. And 
my thinking is if you already know where your weakest link is going to be in your body and you take care of the weakest link, then your body takes care of the rest. Ah, well, that's, that's an excellent suggestion there. And <laughs> I, I get much the same from my physician as a matter of fact. So thank you for that. I was curious about one thing. I can remember learning grammar in parochial school and the, uh, the rule was a E I O U and sometimes Y. And I always thought that was a curiosity of the English language, sometimes Y. So if you have a Y being the first letter or otherwise prominently placed, what sort of person would I be dealing with when I'm talking about a Y person? Uh, this person would be very gracious. Um, you want to watch and see the maturity level to see if they still want revenge if something's gone wrong and they want to get even or whether um, they're past that. Um, the why, uh, their love language is for you to support them, show up for them, be there for them. They need other people around so that they feel loved. Um, their lessons usually appear through finances. How are you using your resources? How are you using your finances uh, for gifts? They love homemade gifts because they like something that not everybody else has. So something that's well thought out and handmade uh, is wonderful. I had a principal one time whose first name started with the Y and she would throw these elaborate Christmas parties and she would leave her Christmas tree up all year long. So her last name was K-A-T-Z, which is pronounced cats. So I made her three Christmas ornaments of cats. One, I hear no evil, see no evil, you know, those and with those. And do you know that that I have now known her 40 years and she still has those on her Christmas tree because they're unique. Oh, yeah. And when you said something about gifts, then I remembered what my question was going to be to you. And that was uh, in gift giving each of the vowels has something that speaks more to them, the why being that unique kind of a gift. But I thought just as an example, if you could run through the other letters of the vowels as to what kind of gifts they generally like to get. Okay, love to do that. The A is books, classes, anything they can learn from. Those are the readers. Those are the visual learners. They're the ones that keep the bookstores in business, okay? But however, that the A is the great re-gifter. If you give them something that is not practical or beautiful or helps them learn something new, then they will look at the gift and they'll say, thank you so much for your thoughtfulness. And they'll figure out who needs this and they will gift it right back out again. They don't keep stuff that they can't use. They're very practical. The E, they're feeling people, as you had said earlier, they really trust. They come from the heart and their emotions and they love physical touch. So a day at the spa, something for the body, a perfume, um, you know, I always like to give my e-friends massages and they always go, oh, I love this, an hour massage because, or really soft fabric for clothing, you know, because they're very in tune with how do things feel. Then for the I, they are the easiest people to buy for next to the O because the I always has a list. Don't think you're being smart, you're being clever. You know, you've really thought of the perfect gift for the first person, for the person with the first file of an I because they want you to ask, what do they want? And then they wanna give you the size, the condition, the whatnot, all the details about it. And if you take really good notes on exactly what they want, they don't care about the price of the item, but you get them exactly what they want. Then they go, oh, that person loved me. Look at, they listened and they went and got me exactly what I want. And they feel so good about that gift. So for an I person, 
ask them for their list, get them something off their list. For the O person, they like money. Just write them a check. The bigger, the better. Because what they want to do is they want to collect the checks from everybody around, put them all together. They have expensive taste. They want a big, expensive item. For the U, they want a fun experience. They want a new way of being entertained. They like the experiences. Let's go to a play. Let's go to, for a weekend getaway. Let's go to a new restaurant that just opened and we haven't eaten there yet. You know, it's something new and different that you've thought about that would be exciting and fun to experience. And for the why, as we said, it's a handmade gift or they like to travel. So give them a plane ticket, give them some of your miles. <laughs> Sharon, thank you. That was exactly what I wanted you to do because with each of the first vowels, there are very unique uh, thoughts, feelings, personalities, uh, things they like, gifts they like, ways of communicating, uh, direct, indirect. Um, there, there are so many subtle nuances to this. And the book is just a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Know the and name, know the person is the first one, but you have some other books there. Well, and you're coming out with the health book. So I just wanted to make sure people can go to knowthename.com and look into this because it is fascinating. And know the name, know how to connect. You can get free access to it on any page but my homepage on the website, knowthename.com. You just simply sign up and then you are sent an email that says, here's your, here's how you sign in. Here's your name. Here's your password. Read the whole book. It's there for you. Speaking of connecting, knowthename.com. I think that's wonderful, Sharon, because people can go there. It's a trove when you show up. On, go to that site, go to the homepage, and then allow yourself to be uh, assisted in navigating the website. It's very user-friendly, and you can get some great material that will help you live a better life. You can't do better than that. <laughs> Thank the you, Sharon. It's sure been a pleasure getting to know you once again. I'm so glad that you reached out, and I know that uh, when your new book comes out, we're going to do this all again. Yay. Thank you. Always a pleasure to join both of you. Thank you so much. Great. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising coming up next and join us next Friday once again. We always love to have you with us. Stay safe out there, everybody, and have yourselves a great weekend. <laughs>